0: because there's a woman coming to my house tonight and I'm cooking dinner for her.
1: And that was something that my four-year liberal arts college degree had really well prepared me for.
0: I go to the door, I open it, and there she is.
1: Me, a little bit melancholy,
2: anticipating my final kiss. But it was fun while it lasted.
0: And I loved it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What do grains of sand, Shakespeare's famous shrew, and an avocado have in common? You're about to find out. I'm Vanessa Cirillo, and this is the Valley Voices podcast from New England Public Media. The stories you'll hear were recorded live at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield. The theme was kiss and tell, and ooh, we heard some great stories that night, including the three we're sharing with you right now. Just a heads up, there's some kissing and telling about kissing in this episode, so you might want to look around to see who's listening with you this might be one you want to use your earbuds for. First up, Matthew Dix tells us about making the perfect grilled cheese sandwich for the perfect woman.
0: I'm standing in my kitchen. I'm holding the very first avocado of my life. And it's not because I'm five years old and I haven't had a chance yet, or I'm living in some far-flung land where avocado availability is somehow compromised. I am a 32-year-old man-child who has spent his entire life eating cheeseburgers and Pop-Tarts and Twizzlers, and I've never really considered this exotic, nutritious food as something I might try. I'm trying to get the avocado open. I need to get it open because there's a woman coming to my house tonight, and I'm cooking dinner for her. I love this woman, and I'm hoping that someday she will love me. I need to convince her that I'm not the man I am, but a man that I might be someday. so that I can convince her to marry that future version of me, and I can spend the rest of my life trying to be that future version of me, and probably failing. And it starts with this avocado. Actually, it really started about two months ago when we began dating. I tried to sort of adult my life a little bit. I bought a shower curtain, so that when I take a shower, the whole bathroom doesn't take a shower with me. I changed my sheets for the first time ever. And I bought candles, because I felt like that is the thing adults do. They put candles in their house, and it makes them look like they're more mature. I need to do all the things I can do to convince this woman that I am not a man-child, but a man. And so I want to cook her dinner. The first dinner I'm ever going to make for her, it starts with this avocado, and I cannot get it open. So I do the one thing that I'm really good at, I call for help. I call my friend Justine and I say, Justine, a woman's coming to my house. I have an avocado. I'm trying to convince her I'm something that I'm not. Can you help me get this open? The potato peeler will not open the avocado. (laughs) She laughs for a while and then she says, get a knife. And so I cut the avocado open. It has a pit in the middle, like a big seed. I didn't know it. You probably did. I did not. I cut the avocado open and I describe to Justine what I see and she says, that avocado is not ripe. She says, didn't you like squeeze it in the grocery store? Did you roll I'm like, can we leave the failures of my past behind me? We have a failure in front of us right now that we need to deal with. I need to ripen the avocado. I ask, can I microwave it? Can I run it out of hot water? What do I do? She says, You can't do any of those things. You need to get another avocado. And I say, I can't. She's coming right now. She's gonna be here any minute. And Justine says, Well, then you're screwed. And I am, because there's a knock on the door. So I hang up the phone, I go to the door, I open it, and there she is. Her name is Alicia. She's as perfect as she has ever been, and I have nothing for her. So she walks in, and I explain to her that the avocado wasn't ripe, and I am a failure, and we need to go out to dinner. And she laughs to her credit. She's expecting a meal, I have nothing. And she finds amusement in this. She looks into the kitchen to see sort of the remnants of my shame. She looks at the avocado. She confirms it's not ripe. I learned the truth of the avocado, which is they are only ripe for about 17 seconds at any one time, and I had missed that window. She sees a lemon next to it, also my first lemon of my life. I was supposed to zest the lemon. I did not know how to do that either, but I never got to that particular failure. And then she sees a piece of paper next to the cutting board, and she lifts it. And she reads it and she says is this martin's and i say yeah martin's is a restaurant in the berkshires we had brunch with her parents about a month before and while we were eating she told me that martin's has the best avocado melt on the planet so when we got home that night i called to get the recipe which in 2005 was a thing there was no like taking a picture and texting it to me it was convincing a human being using a phone as a phone convincing them to like take the menu to a photocopier like zzz, zzz, put it in an envelope put a stamp on it and mail it to me i did all those things so that i could figure out how to essentially make grilled cheese with avocado <laughs> and apparently some lemon zest so she looks at it and she says this is the avocado melt." And I say, yeah, from Martin's, the one you told me was great. And then she melts. She does not care that the man in front of her can't make a grilled cheese with a little avocado on it. It turns out that the thing that mattered was I listened, and I remembered, and I tried. It's that moment when you realize you're standing in front of the person who you love and will someday love you and you realize you don't have to try to be the person you're not anymore, that you are a failed, flawed, miserable human being. But for some reason, this person in front of you loves you for exactly all of those things. Somehow, Alicia loved me, despite the fact that I could do so little and was so failed in so many ways. And so that was 16 years ago. We've been married ever since. I have tried four times to make an avocado melt for my wife. And I have failed every single time without fail. <laughs> and she, know, she knows about every single one of those times. And every single time, I swear to you, somehow, as I fail, she falls more in love with me. Thank you.
3: That was Matthew Dix. True story, Matt got a flat tire on the way to this show. He changed it himself on the side of 91 outside Springfield and got to Hawks and Reed about two minutes before he took the stage. Well done, friend. Matthew is a record 58-time Moth Story Slam champion whose stories have been featured on The Moth Radio Hour and This American Life. All right, we're going from the kitchen to the stage for our next story from Christine Stevens.
2: And you can get away with being kissed five times a night for three weeks by a handsome 'er ne'er-do-well, a scoundrel, an absolute rake who is not your husband. You do it. (laughs) But you don't tell anyone how much you enjoyed it
3: until now. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it was summer. There was a whole lot of outdoor Shakespeare going on. The, summer, the theater that my husband and I had started years before was humming along. I was playing Kate in our production of The Taming of the Shrew. For those of you a little foggy on your Shakespeare, that's the one about Catherine, a sharp-witted, intelligent, unmarried, and therefore problematic woman who is forced to marry the charming rogue Petruchio, who decides he's gonna tame her out of her shrewish personality and then proceeds to do so, using sleep deprivation, starvation, gaslighting. <laughs> Hilarious, right? <laughs> it's a problematic role for a woman in our era, and it can kind of mess with your head. My Petruchio was a wonderful actor who I would worked with before, but this was our first romantic pairing. Now, in our production, in between the verbal and physical sparring between Kate and Petruchio, our character shared five kisses over the course of the show. I came to really enjoy the rehearsal process. Where I got to discover my character's wants, needs, and actions, but if I'm honest, it's because I really loved discovering how much I loved wanting, needing, and getting some action. I loved my husband. I mean, it wasn't like I was fantasizing about running off with Petruchio in some sort of community theater stage romance gone too far sort of thing. The off-stage Petruchio was a really nice guy, kind, respectful, easygoing, married. I wasn't interested in that guy. But the bragging, self-centered, conceited, domineering, really good kisser that was on-stage Petruchio had me hot and bothered. Who knew that I had a thing for fictional bad boys? I was a mess. It hijacked my brain, not to mention my libido. I found myself thinking about it during the day, thinking about that night's performance. I would be driving along, my adorable two-year-old in her car seat behind me, telling, chattering away, telling me about her stuffed animal raccoon crackers and what he just did. But really, I was thinking about kiss number three. When Petruchio puts his cheek out for me to give him a chaste little peck, but at the last minute he turns his head and bam, right on the kisser. Or I would be listening to my five-year-old telling me about the dance she just learned in her summer camp. But really, I was thinking about Kiss Number 1 after our first round of physical and verbal sparring, where he pins me to the ground and lays a good one on me. Now, this was the mid-'90s, and consent was never really a thing in Shakespeare's time. So, I but I was no slouch with the, the stage combat. So the other thing that had me confused this summer was Jane Eyre. Now, in case you're not up on your Brontes, that's the one about the orphan turned, uh, uh, she was a governess, and she falls in love with her employer, Mr. Rochester, the irascible, brooding Mr. Rochester. Now, like Petruchio with Kate, Mr. Rochester messes with her head. So, there I was, I would spend my evening as the much abused and much kissed Kate, a woman mired in a patriarchy with very little control over her life, and then I would go home, crawl into bed with my copy of Jane Eyre, and sail off to sleep on the story of another woman whose life was controlled by an arrogant man. And I loved it. (laughs) The lifelong feminist in me was so deeply ashamed, <laughs> but still very horny. Like I said, a mess. The other thing I found about this play was, and these kisses, was that they left their mark. So Petruchio was a dark blonde, and the goatee he grew for the part came in a bit on the light side, so he used a little bit of makeup to darken it up, a little bit of mascara. I don't know how many performances ended with me, all aglow from that fifth and final kiss, taking my bow, now the unwitting owner of my own mascara mustache, (laughs) courtesy of my smooching Swain, but there were a few. He finally noticed and very gently told me that he would stop using that Maybelline deluxe lash enhancer in foxy dark brown. As an actor, I have found that there are some roles that leave a lasting impression. On the final performance of our run, as Petruchio and I were standing off stage waiting to make our final entrance into our final scene, me, a little bit melancholy, anticipating my final kiss, we looked at each other and smiled silently. He put his hand on the small of my back. It wasn't a kiss, but it felt like an electric pulse. And 25 years later, I can tell you, I can still
3: feel it. Thank you. So that's why people want to act. It's all about those free kisses. Christine Stevens is still an actor playing a role for Shakespeare, but being her own hot self on the Valley Voices stage. This is the Valley Voices podcast from New England Public Media. I'm Vanessa Cirillo, and I've got one more story for you today. But before Wren transports you to the dunes of Cape Cod, a quick note for all you storytelling fans. If listening has got you wanting to kiss and tell, I'm here to tell you, yes, we want to hear it all. Our Valley Voice story slams bring all kinds of stories to the stage and the podcast, Find out how to audition, watch our video shorts, and get tickets to our next show at nepm.org/valleyvoices. Our last story comes to you today from Wren Bellavance Grace. So I was working as a waitress
1: the night of the bonfire party, and that was something that my four-year liberal arts college degree had really well prepared me for. So I went to this bonfire party with some folks from the restaurant and. Um, And I notice a few seats down, there's this woman, and she is beautiful. I mean, she is like stunning, way, way, way out of my league beautiful. But I had a little liquid courage in me with the Corona lights I was drinking that night, and and, uh, and I thought maybe I'd walk to the kitchen past her seat and see if she needed a refill. Can I get you a drink? And she looked up at me and said, sure. Diet Coke. She spoke to me. <laughs> and I and I and I gave her my super suave pickup line. Diet for the taste or diet for the calories? <laughs> totally cringe, but it was it was an ad campaign for Diet Coke back in the day, so. <sighs> But I So I went in the kitchen, I got myself another Corona, and I got her a Diet Coke, and I slunk back to my seat thinking, well, live and learn, that's over. But who showed up at my restaurant the next day? That girl. And she sat in my section, and she drank a bottomless cup of coffee until the end of my shift, and then we went dancing, and then on a picnic, and then there was a quart of fresh-picked strawberries on my doorstep after work that day, and then... Well, then she went away. She had a long planned trip where she was gonna drive cross country camping on the way and stay out west for a week or two and then drive all the way back. And I figured, well, that was a whirlwind, but it was fun while it lasted. And I figured that was over until I got a postcard and it said, I've been thinking of you all the way through Ohio and halfway through Indiana. I hope that's okay. It was so okay. <laughs> and she did come back and she contacted me again and we saw each other again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> and by the end of the summer uh, we had spent most of our waking hours together and some of our not waking hours together. And mid-September when it was still really nice and warm and sunny but the summer crowds on Cape Cod had gone home we took a day trip out to Provincetown and we found ourselves on a little beach and it was very quiet but we tucked ourselves into a very quiet corner of the beach near the jetty where there was like a little estuary where the sea would go out into this brook and then it would come back again at low tide and we sat there all day long and we talked and we watched the waves, and we sat in silence, and it was beautiful. And then as the afternoon started to go on and the sun started to get a little lower, she turned to face me and scooched a little closer, and she put an arm around my lower back, and we intertwined our fingers and set them down in the warm sand. And she put her head right next to mine, and she whispered into my ear, close your eyes. So I did. And she whispered, what do you hear? And I could hear the crash of the waves, of course, but when I listened more, I could hear the sound of the pebbles as they knocked against the broken seashells, as the water pushed them into the estuary behind us and again the pebbles rolling again on their way back out towards the sea and I I could hear, I heard the sound of sand crabs as they popped out of their holes and ducked back down again when they saw the seagulls overhead and then I felt her head get close again and she said, what do you feel? And I felt the sun on every inch of my skin and I felt it burrowing down through every layer and warming my bones and I felt the sand underneath my heel and how it was different from the sand against my knee and I didn't know there were so many different textures of sand and I could feel the water caressing my thighs as it went from the ocean into the estuary and made its way back. And I felt her breath on my neck as she leaned in one more time and said, open your eyes. And I did. And the world was different. It was new. It was a parallel universe. It was the sky was this this blue that there's just no vocabulary for the blueness of that blue and and the seaweed was electric green and there were jewels sparkling in the sand, gold and diamonds everywhere, everywhere it was beautiful. And she leaned forward one more time and she pulled me closer and she whispered, I'm gonna marry you someday. And with my eyes wide open, I said yes,
3: yes, yes. Wren Bellevance Grace spends her winters reliving beach trips and warm summer days and leaving audiences all hot and bothered. Damn, girl, that was sexy. That's it for today, loves. We'll be back with new stories in a few weeks, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. Keep up beyond your feed by joining our Facebook group, Valley Storytelling Community, or just send us a note at valleyvoices at nepm.org, and we'll add you to our mailing list. Valley Voices Story Slam is produced by New England Public Media and the Academy of Music. Special thanks to our friends at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield, where the stories you heard today were first told live. This show is produced by Miss Katie Wright, who would never kiss and tell. (laughs) For New England Public Media, I'm Vanessa Cirillo. See you next time.